You could say it every Sunday, but thanks be unto God for the most fabulous music any church can enjoy anywhere in the world. A personal word today, uh, my son Ben has had a micro valve repaired in his heart. He'll be in the hospital for five days. He'll be incapacitated for a couple of weeks in healing of his heart. That's been three, four days ago. He's in good health and everything is proceeding, but personal privilege, I wanted to thank you for those who've known about it and your prayers and we're looking forward to a full recovery. My older son, Ed, had the same procedure about four years ago. So evidently, the young family is definitely in the heart business. Uh, a personal word, uh, Lisa and I have had COVID. Uh, she's had it for the third time. She's trying to win. Uh, I've had it twice. She's been over it for about a week, fever-free, et cetera. I've been over it for long enough to get out of the giving phases, but I've got a lingering cough. And so um, I plan to speak today on Psalm 23. I plan to do it next Sunday. So uh, I'm afraid I'd be speaking and I'd start coughing and, and, and the rumor following that, you cannot quell. So, uh, we're going in a little different direction on this Memorial Day. Memorial Day, we get it mixed up with the 4th of July. And suddenly the atmosphere on television everywhere is primarily is one of celebration and thanksgiving and patriotism, and that is legitimate. But Memorial Day, we have to remember, is different. This is when we remember the men and women, soldiers, sailors, Marines, etc., who have given their life for our nation. Beginning with the Second World War following, we're talking about thousands of faithful soldiers who've pledged their loyalty and they have paid the ultimate price. Interestingly to me, that with all the sacrifice of life, the United States of America has not added one foot of property to our boundaries, except all we've asked is enough space for those who gave their life to be buried, many of them, thousands of them, in American cemeteries all around the world. Think about it. We gain no property. We ask only for those who did not get to be brought back home and thus buried to use enough property in those lands for they will be laid to rest in this physical life. We have so much to be thankful for in the United States of America, and most of us now are fearful of many things, but among them is losing the genius, 
that we have of being one nation under God. Mike Hamlet is no stranger to most of us. When seven of us came to Houston, now some 45 years ago, and we came to this church with a gathering of people, and Mike came with us and became chief of staff. He was the one who made a lot of those early administrative decisions that are necessary when a new culture comes in the life of the body of Christ. Mike now has been pastor of the First Baptist Church of North Spartanburg, South Carolina for all these years. And I can tell you, his church, in my opinion, and the opinion of others is the most influential body of Christ for the Lord Jesus Christ, certainly in South Carolina. We've been speaking on woke together during these past months, and Mike agrees with me. The church needs to be awake and not woke. So, Mike, welcome. Be at home. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, it is always a joy to be here, and I'm so grateful to have uh, this opportunity. What what, uh, and I just want to remind you, what you have here is so incredibly amazing uh, in terms of what you do and what you've accomplished, the leadership that you have, and how God uses this place. Uh, while you're worshiping today, I can assure you, you're touching churches literally all over the world. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so grateful for Second Baptist and certainly for, for Dr. Young and Lisa and, and, and so many here that it played such an important part uh, in our life. Uh, when, I, when I go and I speak with other people and, and people know that I was here at one time, they always ask me, they always ask me about what's happening at second. It's, all, it's always, what are, what are they doing? They basically say, what is he doing? Because they know there's something going on in his mind. And I would tell you, the most, certainly the most significant moment uh, of my vocational life and ministry life was when uh, I joined his church as a junior in college. And it was on a Sunday evening, he won't remember this, and I took him aside right after that, and I had been interested in ministry, but I was in college, and boy, there wasn't, there wasn't, something about this, but I'm, there was this young pastor in town, and man, I'm telling you, it just, it just turned me on again. And I, I sat down with him, and I said, uh, I said, when I said, Edwin, I, I said, I want to learn to do church, and I will do whatever you tell me to do. And he has told me a whole lot of things over these years. And I've stayed out of jail most of the time. But uh, how God has used him and how God uses this place is absolutely incredible. I never come here that I don't learn something. Never, never in my life, in all these years have I ever come that I didn't learn something, say, that's what I need to be doing, that's what we need to be doing. Our, our fellowship is very aware, aware of that. 
And folks, you just need to remember that as, as a church, you have such a great opportunity. But know this, that boy, if you look up the term uh, cutting edge in the dictionary, you're going to see a picture of your church. And that God has used that in a great and a powerful and a wonderful way. Certainly as we come, and just another illustration, as we come to celebrate Memorial Day, as we seek to honor those that, uh, that God has, has touched or God has used uh, in our country uh, in such a powerful way, we need to remember also our responsibility. It's hard to do that sometimes in a, in a culture that's going in, in so many different directions. And this morning, I want to speak to you just for a moment out of the book of Hebrews. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1. And we're going to look at, at this book that was written to a bunch of people that, frankly, were kind of discouraged. They'd been persecuted. They'd been abused. They were, they were um, mistreated in so many years. In fact, most commentators said, uh, tell us that the people that Hebrews was written to, they were in the midst of giving up. And the writer of Hebrews, where we don't really know who that is, the writer of Hebrews comes back and tells them again the great truth and the power of the gospel. And we pray that God would do that in our lives today. Would you pray with me for a moment? Father, as we come before you, how we thank you for what we've already experienced here today. Father, it has been a wonderful experience to join together with other believers and to lift the name of Jesus and remember what others have done for us as well as to remember what you have done for us. Now, Lord, we pray that you would help us to take the next step of being all that you would have us to be. God, you know every heart that is gathered here and every need. We pray, Lord, that in these moments, the message that you have, you, you would be so clear. And Lord, that it'd be nothing about me, but it'd be everything, everything about you. And we'll give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' precious name we do pray. Amen. The book of Hebrews is a powerful book and it is filled with the gospel. It is dripping with the gospel. And you get so much just in the first few verses of this book that we are reminded of what God has done for us. That's, that's significant for us. Uh, as we talk about this Memorial Day, we're grateful for all that we have, but we also live in a culture that wants so much more. Everybody is thinking about that. I, I want what's more. I, I want more love. I want more attention. I want more appreciation. I want more time. I, I want more things. I want more money. It just goes over and over and over again, and it almost never stops. And we get so caught up in, in looking and what is around us, we miss in what God has for us. That's why what we've experienced in worship this morning is so very important because we are drawn, we're drawn back to Him. Lord, what is it that you have for us? And the writer of Hebrews gives us a, a picture here and he uses some, some special words. In the book of Hebrews, you'll see a lot. You'll see 13 times, you'll see the word uh, better, 
and, uh, and 14 times, you'll see the word perfect. You'll see the word over and over, the word eternal. And as it does that, we see that a walk with Jesus, a walk with Jesus is better because of the blessings that are eternal. Better because of the blessings that are eternal and leads us to a perfect standing before God. That's what's there for us. That all of those, the blessings of God, it's better for us. And while we are thinking about all the things that are going around us, all the challenges, and all of us have them, they're in, they're in every direction, whether it's family, whether it's health, it's vocation, it's, it's culture, whatever it is. We're doing that, but the relationship we have with him is better because of the eternal principles there and that we have a perfect standing before God. And he starts to remind us, and he reminds us of several things here that the Lord has done for us here in Hebrews chapter one. He says, first of all, that God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. And in these last days has spoken to us in his son. And then, then he reminds us, he gives a quick reminder and it's worth seeing of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and the power that is there in him. And so it says there, in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. I'm telling you, folks, we can spend forever in just those three little verses. And I would say to you, and I say to myself today, dear God, what is it that you have for me? Remind me, O oh Lord, of what you want me to do and what you want me to be and what you have provided for me through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see what God has done. And he lists there about seven things. I want to do these, these very quickly. But they're all so significant. They're all so important. First of all, he starts off by saying, hey, listen. He's saying, Jesus is just not another prophet. He's not just another teacher. I read an excellent book recently, and as we finished the book, it compared uh, some of the great Christian leaders over the last hundred years and compared them with Jesus Christ. And frankly, it was a little bit of a disappointment because he cannot be compared with anyone else. You want to know why? Because he is the heir. That's just what it says here. That's what it says here in verse 2. It says, he appointed, he is the appointed heir of all things. It all belongs to him. There's not anything that he does not understand. We're just not looking at a, at a counselor here. I want you to understand that in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a power, we have one who has control of everything. And not only is he heir, but then he goes on and he says, through whom also he made the world. He is the creator. 
as part of the Godhead, he is a creator, that out of nothing, everything that we have, everything that we think, everything that we do, every opportunity we have comes from him because he created it. And as we go through this, we'll see it more and more, what God has done. That's very important for us because in the culture in which we live, we're thinking all the time about what we can do. We're thinking constantly about our accomplishments, our record, our abilities, and that we're told, and by the way, it's a, it's a wonderful thing about our culture that here in America, we, in, we encourage one another to take that next step, to be more of what God would have us to be, but it's so crucial, it is so imperative that we keep there right in front of us that we can't do anything without his strength and his power. It is all due to him because he's the heir and he is the one who is the creator. Everything about it was his idea. So that's exactly what it is. But, but we can get caught in looking at that from a distance, but he is also, and this is important, he is the revealer. Look at what it says. There in verse 3, it says, he is the radiance of his glory. Now, this is a whole lot more than a flashlight. When he talks about the radiance of his glory, the Lord Jesus Christ is to the Godhead what, what the rays of the sun are to the sun. It is the light, it is the glory, it is the brightness of God. That's why we must, in our lives, always be looking up and looking out there and saying, God, what is it that you have for us? Because when we spend our time looking down at all the circumstances, oh, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and I have this problem, I have this issue, and I can't get along with him, and I'm so depressed about it, and we just get so caught up in that. What we need to do is get our head up and recognize the glory and the majesty of God. I can tell you for certain that if I were to talk to some of you today and you were tell me some of the issues that you're facing in your life, you know what I'd say? I'd say, whoo, man, I don't know what in the world I'd do if I were you. I don't have a clue. And then I'd say, let me tell you about my problems. That's what we do. Thank God it is not dependent upon us. Thank the Lord that it is dependent upon him because we see in the midst of, of really not being able to see it, we see the glory and the majesty and literally the radiance of God. It is compared to the Shekinah glory that's talked about in the temple is beyond anything and everything. No lighting engineer can bring forth a brightness that compares to the glory of God. And that's what he's talking about here. We see the radiance of his glory. And when we see the radiance of his glory, we're not just blinded. You know what we see in that radiance? We see the next thing. We see the exact the exact representation of his nature. We see God. We look at him. 
that exact representation there, it's a, it's a term that talks about a, 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 like, an, like an engraver, an engraver that would, would engrave the representation into a, to, to a coin or a piece of metal so that you would not be able to mistake that. You would see and you would know what that is. There would be no doubt, no doubt that's what you're seeing and that's what you're looking at. It's the exact representation. You don't get it wrong. That's why in John chapter 8, when he talks about there, and I'm sorry, not John chapter 8, John chapter 14, verse 8, Jesus says, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. That's a very important verse there. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. When you look at him, you see the glory, you see the majesty, you see everything that is of God because he is the exact representation. He's not similar to He's not someone that looks like. He is that exact representation. So you see, God is building on all of this here in the book of Hebrews. And these people are hearing this. Before they even get started good, they're only into the second verse. And they're starting to see, even with all this, maybe we should just quit. Maybe we should give up. Maybe we should not deal with this thing of being a follower of Jesus. And I don't know what's happening in my life. But all of a sudden, the writer of Hebrews brings the, the power of the gospel and He starts through this list that is here and the exact representation of his nature. And then he gets to a key. And he says there, he says, and he and upholds all things by the word of his power. What's oh, so important in the day in which we live, when we have uh, news sources and and websites and, and every type of social media in the world that is trying to tell us mostly bad news, always, but always trying to draw us in one direction or another, and we wonder who in the world is in control. We don't know what to believe. Most of the time, we're starting to think we're not sure we can believe anything. But what we've got to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ, He upholds all things by the power of his word. Now, you got to go back. He's the heir. He's the creator. He is the one that is the revealer. He is the exact image. That has brought him to this point because he has the power. This is great news. Hold on to this. Folks, he's not just there to help us. He is there with the answer. He is there with the power to deal with any and every situation in our lives. And he can do it because he has the power to uphold that. Let me give you a little bit of an illustration here. This is just a piece of paper. Now let's say this piece of paper, we're gonna say that the thickness of this piece of paper represents the distance between the earth and the sun. So this one piece of paper represents uh, what, 93 million miles. So every time we look at a piece of paper, it is 93 million miles. That's far, how far it is to the sun. But in the creation of God, if you were to go, experts tell us that if you were to go to the nearest star, to the, just the nearest star, the next star that is closest to us, 
And in terms of distance, and you started to, to, to lift up the paper, and every piece of paper represents 93 million miles. If you go to the next star, you'd have a pile of paper that would be 70 feet tall. That's just to get to our next star. Now, if we were to look at our galaxy, and they say this, if you look at the, the diameter of our galaxy, then how far is it to the edge of our galaxy? And of course, there are untold numbers of galaxies out there in the, in the universe, but just in our galaxy, which is relatively small, they say there's an estimate here. If you go from one end to the other, 93 million miles on every piece of paper, you'd now have a sack of paper that is 310 miles tall just to go across our galaxy. And we're one of the smaller galaxies. And here's what the scriptures say. He's the heir. He's the creator. He's the revealer. He's the exact representation. And he controls every part of it. He says he upholds it. He upholds it, all things, by the word of his power. That, that word upholds there is a picture of carrying something. It's like picking up a bowl, picking up a bowl and taking it from here and setting it on another table over here. That's what he does when he upholds by the word of his power. And he created the universe. So when we think that, and we can't even get that in our minds, every part of it he upholds. He moves it around as he wants to. He can control every bit of it with his little finger. That's the greatness and the glory and the power of God. So now, now we start to see this. We come back to the point in, in my life with what I'm dealing with and the things that I'm facing and the challenges that we have, yes, there is hope out there. There is hope for me in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see that, and not only that, then he makes it personal. Look what he says here. He said, upholds all things by the word of his power, and when he had made purification of sins, not only that, then he brings it down and he becomes redeemer. He died on the cross to deal with your sins, yours and mine individually. The purification of our sin. He is the redeemer. So now he is the one who is over all and he gets very specific for you and me. There can't be better news for you and me than that. He is the redeemer that is there. And then, then look at what it says here. Then it says the purification of our sins. Then he said he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He becomes a mediator for us. A mediator with the Lord God. And he is there and he cares about us. And so we have gone with a number that we can't even possibly understand in the breadth of his power. 
the expanse of his influence. And we bring it back to the point that God has done this for us and sent his only son to die on that cross to be there for us. And folks, all we have to do is we have to come to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I want you to come into my life. I realize that you have done this for me, and we have to invite him into our life. I I read an illustration of a a woman who taught in a ministry. It's been 40, 50 years ago, and she used to use this illustration, and she would use her own name, and she would say, um, I know if you want me to, want you to come into my life, you want me, Mike Hamlet, to come into your life. But I tell you what, I only want Mike to come in. I don't want the Hamlet part to come in. Or I, I want the Hamlet part to come in, but I don't want Mike to come in. No, you've got to have both. I'm, I'm, I can't be divided like that. And it's the same way with us with dealing with the Lord that we a lot of times want the, want the Jesus that'll fix our problems. We want the, the Jesus that loves us, but we also need the Jesus that is powerful and we need the Jesus that is forgiving. Yes, we need the Jesus that will hold us accountable. We need that total package. We need him in our lives and God uses that in our lives and gives us hope. So when we're looking for more, let me tell you something. Here's the good news. There's more than enough for you and me. Not in terms of what we want in this world, but in terms of what God will do for us because he is the heir. He is the creator. He is the revealer. He's the exact representation. He is the one who upholds. He is the the, the redeemer for you and me. And he is the mediator that sits down there, the father, and he focuses on you and me. And ladies and gentlemen, that's available to us. Not next week or next month or next year. Not sometime in the past we missed it. That's available to us now. God looks at you as if there is no one else in the room. He says, I love you. And we acknowledge our sin and say our need for him. And God uses that in our lives. He does that with you and with me.